Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. I am Chad Parsons and wanted to dig into my five biggest tight end takeaways coming out of preseason week two. This is just a taste of what you get at UTH Film Notes podcasts uh, when these shows come out over the course of the week. In preseason, it's all about playing time and opportunity and reading the tea leaves for depth charts and opportunities. So here at Tight End, and again, if you want all the skill positions, all the notes, it's about 70 plus minutes this week in terms of big takeaways for those that don't watch all four quarters of the games, because guess what? Who's got that kind of time? I got that kind of time. So let's go into the tight end position here as a preview of that show and content. First of all, Jake Ferguson was off with the starters. Guy that didn't even play is one of the big takeaways this week. It's happening. Luke Schoonmaker with his plantar fasciitis, it's been a slow start for the second round pick. And this really reeks of the Dalton Schultz situation where it wasn't necessarily his job, it became his job. Blake Jarwin was injured at the time and he ended up running with the job. It feels like Jake Ferguson is gonna run with this job by A, having a productive and efficient by yards per route run season as a rookie, but secondly, he's healthy and Luke Schoonmaker is not. That's huge here, and if there's any downturn or lesser than projected production out of wide receiver two and three with Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup this year, there's a big opportunity for Jake Ferguson to be a top 12 fantasy tight end. Number two, Luke Musgrave, 100% of routes with the starters before everyone started to get pulled. And for Luke Musgrave, I have some concerns if he's going to be able to create after the catch. He's one of the lowest in terms of forced missed tackle rate for rookie tight ends coming up and frankly, tight end prospects in general. However, the opportunity is there. Tucker Craft is not going to be a factor here and everything is anew. They've got first and second year wide receivers in in the top three slots, Musgrave himself a rookie. So again, I think you need to have a little bit of reservation for what the upside is going to be here. Just considering the rookie scale you typically see at tight end. However, Musgrave has the athleticism to stretch the seam and that connection with Jordan Love. And frankly, number one through number three is wide open for this pecking order in the offense. You expect it to be Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs in the top two spots, but Musgrave can be there and will have a breakout opportunity year one based on this route share and based on all the drumbeat that he is going to be on the field almost every snap in season. Number three, Durham Smythe played all 15 snaps with the starters, had a hefty total of routes run, and I know Mike Gesicki died on the table 
for this Miami team, despite being the starter there, despite being a good talent uh, as a pass catcher, Durham Smythe is not the seam-stretching, athletically gifted talent that Mike Gesicki is. However, by mere attrition and squeezing juice out of a rock, being on the field this much is going to lead to potential value. I think it's going to be more in two tight end leagues, but this is the type of play. Durham Smythe has been out there at various levels of 28 to say 32 man rosters this off season, even in two PPR, some of those formats, I've been able to pick him up. So it looks like Durham Smythe is going to be one of those stashes where you, it's almost like a double check. You rub your eyes and you say, is that really going to be Miami starter? We are to later August. And right now the answer is unequivocally. Yes. Number four, Pat Fryermuth, 100% of routes uh, with the starters, and he had a back shoulder seam touchdown uh, there down the middle of the field, a chunk score. And here's the other part. Darnell Washington, ooh, could this be a big factor? He played one snap with the starters, and it was of the blocking variety. I think Washington is going to free up Pat Fryermuth in terms of running more routes, being more of a presence as a pass catcher, and you saw the athleticism, you saw the ability to exploit matchups there with just a little taste there for the back shoulder touchdown down the middle this week. And finally, number five, the Seattle tight ends are a mess. <laughs> Noah Fant, the first round pedigree, again, you love to chase that when it's going for a value. Noah Fant fits that historically. However, this is not going to be his year. No one was with even even had 50% of routes with the starters this past week of the preseason. It was a committee last year, a frustrating pull your hair out. I would pull my hair out, but I don't have any. And Noah Fant is one that is going to frustrate you. The athleticism is there. He's going to need an Evan Ingram type exorcism from this depth chart. It's not going to work. He needs a change of scenery. Is it next year? When is is it? Is it a trade before the deadline? You would think that if they're not going to utilize him much, and we're talking 30, 40% of routes, then got to move on. Well, this could be an ugly season. Will Disley is cheap. They like Colby Parkinson and Noah Fant. They brought over in a trade, but he seems to not be their flavor for whatever reason. Noah Fant is a great stash, especially in premium formats when you talk about just for the future and locking in that pedigree in your cupboard on your bench. However, if you're talking about a, you know, a 20 to 25 man roster, there's no premiums, you got Noah Fan as your tight end two or three, that's probably not the best use of the roster spot. Frustrating to say, I believe in the talent, just like when Evan Ingram was miring away. Fant is a lesser version of that, of what he's done so far in his career. However, he looks like a roster clogger when we start the season outside of at least one, and maybe he needs two injuries on this depth chart for him to finally get a meaningful sample size of routes and snaps so that he can survive and thrive fantasy-wise. As I mentioned, you can find 
all the Film Notes podcasts over on the UTH Premium Podcast channel. So that's going to be distilled into Thursday night, the main show uh, through all Sunday action, and the Monday night game on a weekly basis in season, and a drove of other content covering Dynasty trading, the waiver wire, as well as overall Dynasty strategy. That's available over at UTHDynasty.com. That is a feature part of August, getting you up to speed with all the preseason action that you can't possibly get from the fire hose yourself. Uh, Who has that kind of time? And then again, the biggest part, keeping rankings, trade calculator values, as well as injury away matrices updated this time of year. It's so easy to go to sites that might have eight to 10 to 20 rankers. It's very impressive. However, when news strikes, it may take days for everyone on staff to update and have it be a fresh consensus board. Uh, and again, I'm a one man shop. I can update it in a matter of minutes. There are times when I see the news and all of a sudden you're going to have a five to 10 minute reaction podcast, as well as the rankings and trade calculator calculator updated within the hour. And I've said it before. I'll say it again and I'll say it in season, probably a few more times, which is It is critical in the regular season to have the window, the clarified plan, the content in place, and the updated current fresh valuations because when things open up, the trade market in your league opens up on Tuesday, you got about 48 hours before Thursday night kickoff can freeze players. You got another uh, 72 hours after that but when you get kickoff on Sunday and everyone else freezes. You don't have a lot of time. The critical factor is assessing the market, knowing where the valuation is versus the market, and then having an intended action plan with trade ideas. That's exactly what you're going to get at UTHDynasty.com. Next, I wanted to include a preview of one of those Film Notes podcasts. And this is from the Sunday night football game. So it's Chargers, it's Saints from this past week. And again, it's five to 10 minutes. You're gonna end up getting uh, value from that. It's actually eight minutes. And what you do, and again, a lot of the starters did not play, but there's a lot of value here in terms of backup running backs, uh, the backup quarterback situations and scouting for both of these teams. But this is the type of content you're gonna get in season each and every week across the entire NFL for your dynasty teams. So enjoy this free preview. It's one of a myriad of shows that have come out this week of the Film Notes variety. Sunday night edition of UTH Film Notes podcast. I am Chad Parsons. We got Saints. We got Chargers. And uh, a few notes here. First of all, for the Saints, and uh, a lot of their starters rested, but we got to see Jameis Winston, a uh, good watch for him, as well as Kendra Miller. Not sure if he was going to be able to make it back, but uh, you know, for, for this game, maybe the next game, looking like the running back three, and assuredly so. A couple notes on him. He didn't play on obvious passing downs. He played plenty, but there were some situations where he was subbed out. So just monitor that. But I will say limitation in the passing game, probably not so much. Might have been a pass pro thing, and you figured they would want to get him reps. However, because Jameis Winston, 
Uh, best best play, in my opinion, of the whole game was a, a deep wheel route to Kendra Miller down the sideline. Miller, away from his body, makes a big play. Winston, nonchalant, perfect throw um, down there. Winston had a couple that got away from him during this game. He played an extended stretch before giving way to Jake Hayner. But, uh, but with Kendra Miller, uh, the fact that he could offer that in the passing game, they were comfortable running it, and it looked like Winston was looking for him right off the get. Like it was a designed target and opportunity there for Miller. Also, Miller had a couple of moments as a runner uh, when he wasn't plugged up at the line of scrimmage to actually see his ability to break tackles and uh, gain leverage on guys when he gets to the second level, gets uh, through some arm tackles there. So, again, that's one of his strengths, 21-year-old back. And, again, I think people expecting an early string of production – he needs a couple injuries. There's that little window of if Jamal Williams misses time in you know week one or week two, you could get a clarified start before Alvin Kamara comes back. However, uh, it's looking like Miller is going to be the clear number three, and you're just going to have to wait it out uh, because the talent is not going to meet opportunity right away. Um, Jake Hayner, uh, he made two or three uh, good throws. I, I would say he had one laser to the end zone uh, that was a drop by uh, uh, Lucas Kroll, I believe, uh, the tight end. He has a little bit of mobility. Uh, it's more of a passing thing, you know, in terms of his profile, that plus minus for a uh, passing versus rushing profile as a prospect coming out. He definitely looks like a backup and injury away option in waiting. It's not going to be this year with James Winston entrenched in that role. But Hainer's going to be one. Just monitor if you're in a deeper uh, super flex league, you know, let's say a league where you can have six, seven, eight quarterbacks and uh, you're, you're, you get to a point this season, just monitor, you know, if he gets dropped, it could be an exploratory and stash ad for 2024. Uh, for the Chargers, Quentin Johnston, uh, he's clearly the wide receiver four, the wide receiver one through threes. They, um, oh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot the weekly mention of Ellis Merriweather there for the Saints. So again, he's running as the running back four, uh, and I, I really like his two-way ability. He's comfortable. He had a couple. He had a target that was behind him. He had to adjust a little bit uh, and, and did so. Ended up continuing on with the flat route, uh, so that was good. Um, and again, just a try-hard guy. I like his running style. And we'll see if that ends up being on the practice squad. They have a really solid top three, but maybe he's active for week one, and then he goes back down uh, once Kamara is 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 back. So just something to monitor there. But Ellis Mellerweather, I just see a little spark, a little sparkle uh, with him that he could stick around the NFL longer than people think. And honestly, a lot of people don't think he's in the NFL, so they think it's just made up, like he's a make tag repairman. Uh, so back to the Chargers. Quentin Johnson, he's the wide receiver for. He made a couple of plays. You just see like the way he's uh, able to throttle down, be agile for his height is pretty rare. And he's going to eat when he gets these single coverage opportunities. Um, is Josh Palmer going to hold him off all year? Are they going to move on from Keenan Allen or Mike Williams in the offseason? And it's going to be uh, Quentin Johnston season in 2024. And can they stay healthy to keep Quentin Johnston off the field? All those are fascinating talking points for the Chargers passing game this year. Donald Parham, he had an ugly drop, but he's the clear tight end to over Trey McKitty. I've been saying that for a while, so that's not news. It's more of a confirmation. And then the most importantly at the running back position, it was 
was Joshua Kelly over Isaiah Spiller again. It was a 60 to 40 route split share, uh, and then a 14 to 10 advantage for Miller. Uh, excuse me, for Kelly when when the starters were in the game. So. Again, this looks like it's a 60-40 type split. Uh, it wouldn't be pronounced in some Alexander Madison type situation for Joshua Kelly. But Kelly last week, this week, uh, it's been a drumbeat last year, a uh, drumbeat that he's the, the running back to until further notice. And we don't have that notice yet. So uh, we are sticking with the status quo right there. And Elijah Dotson, he's a little spark plug, uh, thicker, uh, low center of gravity type guy. He's not a burner. You know, he's not a future Eckler, but there's a few traits that, that think that he can stick uh, in terms of, uh, again, a guy that can burrow, a guy that can pl- supply a little bit of power. He's not a natural, you know, he's 200, 203 pounds, something like that, um, and runs in the four fives. So he's not a freak, but there's something with him as well. Ellis Merriweather and uh, Elijah Dotson. Now, both of those guys, you're talking like 40-plus man rosters. You're talking uh, deep only, uh, or it's mainly just monitor from afar at this point. But they could be stashes when we get later in the season uh, if they're still on the radar, on the radius. And again, we could see maybe some turnover on the, the ancillary part of their respective depth charts. All right, that's going to do it. Talking Chargers, talking Saints. Oh, that's not going to do it. Man, I'm all over the place. If you can't tell, it's been a long 24 hours. <laughs> we traveled. Uh, it was a travel day for us. Easton Stick, more of an up and down game for him. He played a ton of time with the Chargers, projecting to be the QB2. There's something there. You know, he's got some moxie. He's got uh, extend the play ability, some rushing upside. Every once in a while, you know, he gets squirrely um, as a passer. doesn't look very good. Uh, he really has to be set. Like sometimes you see these Justin Herbert like moments where Herbert just guns it in where it's like, oh yeah, I'm just like on my left foot and rolling left and I can just throttle my hips and, and uncork one uh, laser beam style. And, and mortals can't do that. And, and Easton Stick, he gets into trouble sometimes if he's not, if it's not a natural rollout, he keeps his weight under him and really transfers it. Uh, he, he gets into trouble. Um, so that's one thing to watch out for. Like he really needs to be defined and a little more technical when he extends plays uh, when he goes to throw the ball. Uh, but other than that, again, running the offense, uh, he would look pretty good with the, the strong collection of weapons that he hasn't been playing with. He hasn't been playing with a lot of the starters here in the preseason, nor would you expect him to. Uh, but Easton Stick, uh, like I said, he's not in the upper band, but he's probably somewhere in the mid band of backup quarterbacks. Uh, you probably need in a 12 team where you probably need uh, about, I would say 30, 30 to 35 main rosters. Um, so that would be 360 to 400 uh, players rostered uh, to really get into the uh, meaty part of saying Easton Stick is someone that you would actually consider for a roster spot. I would say the typical safe leagues, uh, 28 man, 12 team uh, is going to be one that Easton Stick is probably not going to make your cut line or pickup line between now and week one. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. 
In the final segment this week, I wanted to go over one of my trades. I think there's a lot of meat on the bone in terms of strategy points. Uh, this is avail- the, This type of dialogue is available in my transparency report shows where I go over my own trades with the strategy, the player valuations, and the team dynamics involved that play a factor. A couple transparency report shows this week were uh, posted at UTH Patreon, which is patreon.com slash UTH. And a couple of those, I also went over my lessons learned from a dynasty auction startup I, I performed with Jordan McNamara over the past few weeks, as well as talking about Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, and the waiver wire with Tim Torch on some of the featured weekly content. So the trade I wanted to discuss is a two quarterback, two tight end format. There's no premium scoring, so it's not super common here at tight end. A lot of them are now being juiced with some sort of PPR premium. But this one is just regular scoring for the tight end position, and I do think that plays a factor here in this deal. I'm relatively light at quarterback or lighter than I'd like to be, lighter than I usually am in these types of formats. I leaned on Tom Brady for a few different seasons, and he's one that has been recycled. So it was one where I had Matthew Stafford. I ended up making a trade earlier in the offseason for Geno Smith. Um, So I feel a little better about my situation having those two locked up as well as having uh, Mike White, Jameis Winston, Cooper Rush, Gardner Minshew, some backup quarterbacks. However, um, I made a deal to get Sam Darnold. It took quite a bit of negotiation. And when you go back and forth, back and forth, I've said it before, do what you can to get what you want. Instead of compromising what, uh, you know, what they want, you know, and, and bending over backwards, try to get the key component. What's the missing link? Because when you negotiate back and forth, it might seem like something is off the table, but I commonly say, add to your side to get what you want. So that, that has played a key role because I wanted to give Noah Fant for Sam Darnold plus. And the plus here that I, I wanted to get was a second round pick. And I chose second round pick specifically because this is a modest Debbie league where you have a league wide limit. And typically, even by the, the later portion, you know, it could be 210, 211, even 212. Um, on an annual basis in that draft, you have the option to draft the Debbie. And that makes a huge difference to the value of those second round picks when you have a rookie option, but you also have that Debbie option in your back pocket. As a point of reference, I drafted uh, Arch Manning in this two quarterback league as an incoming freshman Debbie there entering college uh, as someone to just squirrel away uh, at the quarterback position in the later second round this season. Uh, Surprisingly so, Um, but again, I'll take value when it falls to me. Um, So I wanted that second round pick, so I had the Debbie option. Now, I had offered a, a few different iterations and they were resistant. They wanted to give Sam Darnold in a third. Well, a third is a rookie and it could be decent. Like for example, someone like Marvin Mims this year was available in that zone. However, the Devies have historically not been an option by that point. Uh, they run out and you know, rookies are gonna be hit or miss in a depleted class uh, every single year when you have Devies already pulled out. And so 
I was willing to give up Noah Fant. I didn't cover this part, but uh, because I had TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, who I got as a Debbie, uh, I have Brock Bowers stashed from, I think, a couple of years ago, and then Jelani Woods, Trey McBride, uh, Gerald Everett, Zach Ertz. I, I feel pretty good in the start, too. Uh, you know, I, I don't have Mark Andrews, but other than that, um, I feel like I've built it out. And so Noah Fant is really just a depth option I'm playing for the future. And you heard earlier in this show, I'm worried about how this year is going to go. I think he's going to be in a big murky committee unless there's a splash trade to some other depth chart. See someone like TJ Hawkinson, you know, moving over to Minnesota, being a good thing overall for his usage and value being a feature option. Now, I think that would be a pie in the sky outcome for Noah Fant, but he does need a change of scenery. Seattle has shown no proclivity to using him. Um, so again, he's, he's tied in five maybe at best on my depth chart, maybe even lower than that. Uh, with, with how this season goes. So I was open to giving, giving him up. And Sam Darnold, for me, beating out Trey Lance as it's currently trending and being in the bird dog seat for a high octane, optimize the heck out of the quarterback, just do your job. We, I've seen some really good stick throws out of Sam Darnold. He's the number three pick in the draft. And frankly, I'm a little colored that Geno Smith could be a story in the future. You land in a good spot. You get seasoned. And no better spot than the Shanahan offense to say Darnold's best could easily come this season if Brock Purdy misses time. So I'm open to all those possibilities. And in a two-quarterback league and two-tight end league, Darnold's starting games this year is going to be more valuable than having a slightly optimistic result out of Noah Fant, whether it's this year, next year, whatever. Um, and Darnold, well, absolutely. If he flashes, if he gets to start the rest of the season, whatever the trajectory is, he could earn a starting NFL job. He, there are big time upside and fat tails to my end of this trade. Um, so that was the most appealing part. Back to the negotiations. Again, so I didn't want to accept a third round pick. So I offered a fourth round pick in Fant to get Darnold in a second. That didn't work. Then eventually we found a middle ground. I gave a third, he gave a second, and we swapped the players. But again, I was patient on this. I got my second round pick. I gave up a third, which you might say, oh man, you're really you know not getting much. You would rather get the third round pick outright. Well, there's no guarantee in the future that you're gonna be able to trade two third round picks to get into the second round, especially if it's inside the Devi line. It, you want picks preemptively as early as possible inside the Devi line in these formats because someone may not wanna move off that position in draft. People get googly eyes for Debbie, and it's hard. There's a premium attached just because you have the option to draft a college player. So this is about leveraging what you know about your league, leveraging what you know about the format, and also sticking to your guns about getting your target. And I sold the player that I was looking to sell and I thought was applicable, but also getting the key ancillary part of the deal. So A, be patient. B, add to your side or compromise on your side a little bit to get what you want in return. And third, play the format. And I know in this league, it's not tight end premium, but it is start two that even if Fant uh, breaks out to some degree, that he's still probably going to be averaging 10, 11, 12 points per game. And will it matter a little bit? Will it move the needle and shift things for my result? No. But Darnold could, from a trading perspective and from a buzz and lineup perspective, should he see clarified starts this season. 
All right, that is going to put a wrap on this week's episode. Excited. Uh, this is the final week coming up of the preseason, and then you know what? We are zooming along to 53-man roster cuts, and that means the season of the NFL is right in front of us. Four-plus months of data points and, frankly, enjoyment, the passion. And I would remind folks, you know, it, whether you're in one league, 10 leagues, or 100 leagues, it's fun. This is the fun time of year. We're going to get to the ever-changing re- new reality of these depth charts, player production, uh, disappointments, surprises, breakouts, strong offenses, w- disappointing offenses, everything. And we are right on the cusp of it uh, here as we are finishing up the preseason. Uh, there's a number of running back depth charts that are up for grabs. Uh, we're getting some clarity out there in Arizona. Might be more confusing than ever in Dallas. Uh, good news from Javante Williams there in Denver and uh, and, and Philadelphia. What are they going to do? So a uh, number of storylines there. Can't wait to discuss things on the feature show with Tim Torch this week, as well as all the bonus podcasts you can get at UTH Premium. And I forgot to mention, at Patreon, if you're unaware, you can get those UTH Patreon shows on any podcasting device you want. So if you're a current patron, make sure you reach out to me, admin at uthdynasty.com, and I can get you set up uh, on what you need and how to connect those shows to whatever podcasting app you use for all your other shows. And and this applies if you're a new sign up at Patreon, because guess what? If you sign up as an all pro this month, not only do you get access to the VIP chat, I am setting up over the next couple of weeks, the UTH best ball contest for 2023. And if you sign up as an all pro, you get an automatic entry. Simply submit your roster uh, to the best ball contest. It's set it and forget it versus a salary cap. It's a ton of fun. Compete against Katie, Tim, Jordan, and myself for UTH prizes and for everlasting bragging rights in that format. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep holding those dynasties.